Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of The Jadava Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valier. Uh, I wanted to start with something that's just randomly on my mind. Uh, last, So Liberty does this thing every week um, called Campus Community. It's basically like a campus-wide Bible study. Um, and last night, uh, the worship, um, you know, usually a church service or any type of Christian gathering starts with worship. Um and it's usually about three songs, but last night they did like seven or eight songs. Um, and there were a couple of different moments during the song, uh, or during the um, the first song. Was it the first song? In the th- it was one of the first few songs. They did seven to start the night. It was one of the first few ones. It was early. And uh, the lead singer of the worship team was singing the chorus of a song called I think it's called the cornerstone, or that's at least the most repeated line in the song. And uh, you, you know what I'm talking about when like people are singing up front, and as they have really like dead, there's going to be a period of dead time between like a certain line to the next line. So they fill it in by like either saying the words of the next line and then singing it, or saying the word you sing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, like, like right here. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is from last night's campus community. Do you hear him say, you sing it? As if not everybody in the crowd's not already singing it. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's, it's like, I just, I notice weird quirks like that when I'm either sitting through worship, it doesn't even have to be worship, but it's, it can be like any, like music that I, like a concert or something, the singer will, will put in like filler words in between lines, like, oh, you sing it, which really, that, it means nothing because they're already singing. Um, I, I just thought it was, and, and well, pl- that's not a pet peeve of mine. A pet peeve is when, like for instance, the next line is through every trial or fire or storm, so what singers will do sometimes will sing like, my only hope, the cornerstone, through every trial or firestorm, through every trial, or, you know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll, uh, they'll say the line that the words are already on the screen, so you'll sing them anyway, but they like have to fill in that time with the words and they'll say them and then sing them. It's like, it's such a useless, like, in my opinion, that's such a useless filler uh, to just say that, um, I, look, you could call me nitpicky or whatever. And I, I guess I kind of am a little nitpicky, um, uh, if I'm calling this out, but it's stuff like that, that I, I notice. you know, a lot of people, uh, when they, um, when they're singing worship, a lot of times people will throw their arms up in the air, uh, or, uh, start clapping or start, like shouting or something. And look, that's all great. I'm not, if the spirit convicts you to do that, uh, you know, you can do, you can worship however you want to worship, you know, unless it's all an act, then, you know, I think you should worship however you want to worship. I've just known, because I don't usually like do that. Like sometimes, since I'm an observant type, I like to like scan the room and like look around at stuff people are doing. And a lot of times I notice like the bridge of any worship song, that's when everyone starts clapping, uh, because usually in every worship song at the bridge, there's some something in the bridge that mentions the resurrection. Um, like there's one song, 
where uh, there's a line that's they yell, "Our God has robbed the grave," and that at, that at no without fail, it's the same point in every uh, song that people start like clapping and start cheering, uh, which look it's fine. I, I just I just notice it like it's sort of like a habit for some people. Whenever like the resurrection is mentioned in any bridge of any worship song, people just start clapping. Um, or the, people really only have their hands up when the chorus, when when they're singing the chorus. Like during the verses, that's usually not when hands go up. I just think it's fascinating. Uh, and you can feel free to like talk about that with me anytime because I, I don't understand that. Um, just people throwing their hands up in worship only for a specific amount of time. I just feel like that's, you know, I don't know how much of a conviction that is for some people, but um, those are things I've just noticed. Uh, and, and I noticed them especially last night because I had plenty of time to to watch um, people do that. And, and I, look, I, I worship and I get a lot out of worship, but I also observe a lot of things because that's just naturally what I do, and maybe I should stop doing that. But, um, yeah, I've just noticed that's what people people's sort of natural instinct because every bridge sort of like if you notice when you're in a because for all my christian friends out there and uh, people listening when a bridge comes on they usually sing the bridge twice the first time it's quiet the second time it's like really loud and people start clapping and going nuts when it gets really loud i'm like why don't you do that when it's like super quiet i mean they're singing the exact same thing um so like does the spirit only convict you when like the music is loud it, like that's the sort of stuff that i struggle to understand sometimes <clears throat> when i'm uh doing or when i'm singing worship with other people in a congregation people can do what they want you know it, it my opinion is you can worship however you want to worship the only line that i really draw is when it becomes more of a show and more of a look at how spiritual i am battle uh because when it gets to that then i'm sort of like okay whatever but look i'm not bashing putting your arms up and dancing around in worship or whatever. It's fine if you do that, but uh, it's all about the authenticity, I guess, is is really where I'm getting at that. So, uh, And sometimes, like, I like to have my eyes closed when I worship because I I don't like to look at, like, the distractions. And I, I, I guess I just spent the first six minutes talking about being distracted during worship. But uh, that's my go-to is I close my eyes and I block out distractions. Also, like, you know just seeing like people I recognize, like I'll start staring at somebody and I'll think like, Oh, I want to go say hi to them or I'll want to go say something to them. Uh, and I'll get distracted from, uh, what the Lord's trying to do in my heart. Um, but a lot of times I do like keep my eyes open, uh, which sometimes looks like I'm not being spiritual or whatever. And I'm singing, I'm fine. It's just sometimes I just don't know the words and, and I like to, pretend like I do and like just sort of mouth the same word and hope that it sounds like what they're singing because sometimes I don't want to look silly um, when I'm singing worship. So I'll maybe sometimes I'll keep one eye closed and one eye open to look at the words. Um, so I don't know how you guys go about thinking about that stuff, but I, I think about it whenever I'm watching. Um, so I close my eyes to avoid distraction, but evidently it doesn't work because based on what I just said, I still get distracted sometimes when I'm worshiping. So let's talk about sports because that is the whole premise of this show that I'm doing and I created this show so I could talk about sports uh, so why don't we talk about it um, uh, today 
big bombshell uh, news story dropped, uh, courtesy of Jeff Darlington of ESPN, and he announced it this morning on Get Up, which is an early morning show on ESPN, uh, talking about Tom Brady. Uh, and he said, quote, I'm now at the point where I would be stunned if Tom Brady went back to New England, closed quote. Also said that Tom Brady is looking forward to free agency. And uh, a beat columnist for the Boston Herald, I hope I'm not mispronouncing her name, Karen uh, Gurigian. Uh, anyway, her quote is, The Patriots still have not reached out to Tom Brady. According to a source, it's not looking good. Close quote. So that both of those sort of came out today that Tom Brady has been telling people he wants to leave. He's been making moves that would indicate he's done in New England, and apparently they haven't even talked to him. Now, the reports are that the Patriots probably won't even talk to Tom Brady uh, before the CBA is uh, agreed upon or confirmed, because obviously a lot of contract negotiations are courtesy of that. Um, so, look, I've been saying it for weeks now. I think Tom Brady's a goner in New England. Uh, that's just me, because... That's just how the NFL always goes. Everyone acts like there is a ton of loyalty in the NFL these days, when really there, that came, I mean, look, Peyton Manning spent his whole career with the Colts, but then at some point they decided that it was best to move on. Uh, Phillip Rivers, they just moved on from him. The Giants just moved on from Eli Manning, who won them two championships. Uh, Joe Montana got traded by the 49ers, who he won four championships with. But at some point, they had to say, you know what? We have to move on because Joe Montana is only name value right now. Or Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers and Peyton Manning are only name value right now. Um, Jerry Rice ended his career somewhere else. Uh, he's not a quarterback, but he's a high-profile player who didn't spend his whole career playing somewhere. Brett Favre is another example. Uh, he didn't end his career in Green Bay. He had couple of different stints before he ultimately retired. And why is Tom Brady any different? Why does Tom Brady have to stay in New England his entire career? Doesn't he want to try something new before he ends up calling it quits? He's only got a couple of years left, at least based on what he wants to do. You know, I don't think he can play another couple of years. I think he should retire right now if he was smart. Um, so now we look towards where he's going and not whether or not he's coming back to New England or whether he's retiring, I think the main focus should be where he's going because I'm pretty sure this report has a ton of legs to it uh, and that would mean Tom Brady's goner in New England, which would have sounded crazy a year ago, but it's been setting up towards this for a long time. The Patriots last offseason decided, you know what, Tom, we're not going to extend your contract. This is your last year. Uh, we'll talk about it after the season, but this was really the first year that Tom Brady had to really prove it. It was a prove it year for Tom Brady. He was playing for his job as the Patriots starter. And what happened? Uh, they finished uh, the worst end of season uh, finish in the wild card round since, uh, what, 10 years ago? Uh, he had his worst statistical season in maybe 15 years. Um, and look, Tom Brady, everyone's saying like, oh, he's not washed quite yet. Well, I mean, the the in-depth numbers, I took the liberty of looking up some in-depth numbers of um, from pro football fo uh, reference, and they're pretty telling. I mean, look, it's Tom Brady is still playing fine, I guess, for, for a 42-year-old, but he's not 32-year-old Tom Brady anymore. Now he's 42-year-old Tom Brady, and 
the the drop off in play is going to have to happen at some point this year. According to in-depth statistics by Pro Football Reference, Tom Brady had the third most bad throws, quote-unquote bad throws, which would likely mean inaccurate or tossed right to defenders or tossed out of bounds. He ranked third in the NFL out of 32 qualifiers. The only people that had more bad throws in the NFL were Jameis Winston and Jared Goff. Uh, He had the third most last season to only Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, it's not horrible company to be in, but for the second straight year, for the last two years, Tom Brady has had the third most bad throws in the NFL uh, at ages 41 and 42. Uh, he had the fifth highest bad throw percentage last year, uh, this past season, uh, and was 20th ranked in drop percentage uh, the year before this year. And everyone says, oh, he was uh, his receivers were top five in the NFL, or they led the league in drops. Well, last year, when he was still on the decline, they were like, top 12 in, like, catch ability. You know, they were 20th ranked in drop percentage. Obviously, Tom Brady wasn't hurt by drops a year ago. He ranked, he had the most throwaways in the NFL this year. He had the fifth most last year. Um, People always call Aaron Rodgers the king of the throwaway. Well, Tom Brady had the most give-up throws this season by a mile. The next closest, he had 40. The next closest was Derek Carr at 31. He was bottom 10 this season in on-target throws. So he was inaccurate. He had bad throws everywhere. He threw the ball away a lot. And that is despite the last two seasons he has finished both seasons ranked third in the NFL in average time in the pocket. So he has time in the pocket to throw, and it's still coming out inaccurate. I don't care if you say he had bad receivers. A lot of teams have bad receivers. A lot of good teams who, is anyone going to stand up here and argue for the Titans receiving core or the Raiders receiving core, despite Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr being two of the most accurate passers in the league this year? No one's arg- pounding the table saying, oh my gosh, Tyrell Williams is an elite receiver, or A.J. Brown or Corey Davis are elite wide receivers in the NFL. No. Since it's New England and since it's Tom Brady, people will make more excuses for him and his receivers, despite that he actually has a better receiver than both of those teams do combined. He has Julian Edelman, who was last year's Super Bowl MVP. And everyone acts like Tom Brady has no one to throw the ball to. He has rookies all over the place who will develop. They're supposed to be like that. And he had Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu is a good receiver. Couldn't use him well enough. He threw the ball most times to James White. You act like James White is not a weapon for Tom Brady? You act like Mohamed Sanu and Julian Edelman aren't weapons? Tom Brady had stuff to work with. He just wasn't very good, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Okay, He's been on decline for a couple of years now since his last Super Bowl, uh, well, since they lost that Super Bowl to the the Eagles. It's been back-to-back seasons now playing for one of the best, if not the best coaching staff of all time, and a generational defense, Tom Brady's been in decline. They're winning because they're putting a team still around Tom Brady. But it's a hard pill to swallow because everybody still wants to give Tom Brady all the credit, even though he's in steep decline. That's why I think it must suck to be an offensive lineman or, or, or a defensive player or any coach for the Patriots over the last 20 years. It must suck to be them because they're elite, but all they have to do is sit and watch Tom Brady get all the credit. I'm not saying Tom Brady's a scrub. He's obviously one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I am still hesitant to call him the GOAT because I think he's simply the most accomplished 
player in NFL history, but Bill Russell was the most accomplished player in NBA history, and no one's calling Bill Russell the GOAT, even though he won 11 titles. Oh, well, there was, there was uh, less competition back when Bill Russell played. Well, Tom Brady's been playing in a non-competitive division for 20 years. Okay? I know he's had Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers in his conference for the majority of his career. But, I mean, come on. He's still playing in a division that he just automatically wins every season because his teams are always far superior to the Dolphins, Bills, and the New York Jets. So... Anyway, that's my spiel on Tom Brady. And I said it last week. I think it was last week. It might have been earlier this week. Whichever team takes Tom Brady is making a big mistake. They're making a big mistake. Tom Brady is a 43-year-old quarterback. If you want to win now, I understand. If you want to win right now and no other time, right now is the perfect time to go after Tom Brady. But if you want success in the future, which I assume every team wants, why would you go after Tom Brady? You have two years, and then you're right back to the drawing board. Now, there are a few scenarios that make sense. So I took the liberty of piecing together several sources that I've found, and also my own intellect, in trying to figure out what makes the most sense for Tom Brady this upcoming season and the next few seasons, and see what dominoes would fall around the league if Tom Brady were to sign with each of these teams. Uh, first of all, first option, Tom Brady, if he joined the Chicago Bears next season, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears signed him to a deal similar to that of a four-year, $110 million contract. Lock him up through his age 47 season, and then Tom Brady's going to have to retire after spending his last four years in the NFL with the Bears. Of course, Tom Brady doesn't have to play out the full four-year contract. He can retire after a year or two or maybe even three. If Tom Brady went to the Bears, he would have a running game. Okay, He's got Tariq Cohen. He's got David Montgomery, two young, elusive backs that can really make things happen. He'll have a very good top-five defense to play with, similar to that in New England. He'd have, and he'd have better weapons. His number one receiver would be uh, two-time Pro Bowler Allen Robinson, who is still in the prime of his life. So he'd have Allen Robinson to throw to. You don't think he'd like that? Throwing to Allen Robinson as number one target? He'd have speedsters like Anthony Miller and Cordero Patterson to throw the ball to. Uh, and him and Cordero Patterson used to be teammates in New England. I think he would love Chicago. That would make a lot of sense for me if I were running the team. Uh, and if I were making Tom Brady's decisions for him, the Bears would actually make the most sense. Uh, and it would be great news for Allen Robinson, who's had Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky throwing him the ball his entire career. Um, so now he'd actually have a real quarterback to throw him the ball. Uh, and then the dominoes that would sort of fall after that, I think the Bears would need to free up cap space, so they'd trade someone. I, I guess they'd trade Leonard Floyd uh, to the Giants. Let's say the Giants send the Bears like a sixth-round pick. Uh, they, they need to free up cap room. They'd free up about $13.2 million by getting rid of Leonard Floyd. He'd help a pass rush uh, desperate Giants team. So now the Giants would have Leonard Floyd rushing the passer, and the Bears have Tom Brady. But the thing about Leonard Floyd is his sack total has dropped every year since uh, 2016. So each of the last four seasons, his sack his sacks total sack total has dropped each season. So I would say he's 
pretty much expendable considering his salary. It'd free up about $13 million in cap space. So then the Patriots, of course, would need a quarterback. They're not going to go with, with Jarrett Stidham. So I would say the Patriots would send a third-round pick to the Carolina Panthers to trade for Cam Newton. Uh, and once they get Cam Newton, they're getting a guy who five years ago was MVP of the league and took a team to the Super Bowl. He's two-dimensional. He can throw the ball and run the ball, even though he's about to be a 30, what is it, 31-year-old quarterback. Uh, that would make the most sense. Um, if For Cam Newton's future success, if he were to land in New England, uh, of course, he's just passed a physical, uh, which makes him healthy. The Panthers have already come out and said, you know, their new coach, Matt Rule, has come out and said that, you know, they'd like to have Cam, but that might just be talks to potentially rev up negotiations. Um, so, yeah, Cam would be entering a contract year if they traded him to the Patriots. And after one season in New England, Cam Newton would be eligible for an extension. So this would sort of be like a one-year audition for Cam um, in New England. That would be the most sense for me if Tom Brady were to sign in Chicago. Uh, so if that all that happens, and I think Marcus Mariota would sign probably a two-year contract with the Panthers, free agent to be Marcus Mariota. Um, Matt Rule is probably looking for a quarterback who offers a little bit of mobility, protects the football a little bit better than Cam, uh, and would want to use RPOs. He'd go after probably a guy like Mariota, who's basically a poor man's Cam Newton uh, with a little bit of a more accurate arm. I think that would be not necessarily an upgrade, but considering where Cam is physically, Mariota might be a slight upgrade on Cam. Uh, now, I think the Panthers might try and tank next year uh, so they can go after Trevor Lawrence in a couple of years, which is why I'm saying Marcus Mariota for the next couple of years under contract would really be the best-case scenario. Sign probably a two-year contract worth $18 million, and Mariota is the perfect stopgap for Carolina between the Cam era and the Trevor Lawrence era if the Panthers want to go down that road. Uh, then Teddy Bridgewater would sign a four-year contract with the Colts, uh, waiting for his opportunity after about three or four years of being a backup slash being injured, Teddy Bridgewater can finally emerge as the starting quarterback for the Colts. Uh, they're looking for an upgrade on Jacoby Brissett. And uh, Teddy's deal would really be a two-year commitment, and they would be able to easily void the last two years if he signed a four-year, $120 million contract. They would put certain things in the contract that would make Teddy expendable after maybe a couple of years. Um, but it would be, if that all that works out, then Teddy Bridgewater would be the Colts' week one starter. And then finally, of course, something has to happen to Mitchell Trubisky and all of this. I think he gets traded. I'm going to predict Mitchell Trubisky gets traded to the Dolphins, and the Dolphins send back straight up Josh Rosen back to the Bears. It'll be Rosen's third team in three years, but now he gets to back up Tom Brady on a really good team. Uh... Obviously, they'll decline. The Bears will decline as fifth-year option, free up some cap space by training not only trading not only Leonard Floyd but also Trubisky, um, and maybe throw in a seventh-round pick, send it over to Miami, who's stockpiling draft picks right now, um, and Miami will pass on a quarterback this year in the 2020 draft because they'll have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Mitchell Trubisky on the roster, and maybe look for their quarterback of the future heading into 2021. Uh, so that is all what would happen if Tom Brady were to jump ship and leave and go to the Bears. If Tom Brady were to sign with the Chargers, 
I think they would sign him to about a five-year deal worth $180 million. Um, and those numbers that I'm coming up with are coming from this ESPN feature story by uh, a gentleman by the name of Bill Barnwell. Um, so I'm not just coming up with these numbers. I will in a few uh, teams from now. But the Bears, Chargers, and Colts are all courtesy of him. And I'm just reading them to you. Uh, you know, they would. I think the Chargers... They're looking for fans. They want a new stadium, or they have a new stadium. They need fans. So what better way to get fans than to sign Mr. Hollywood himself, Tom Brady? The definition of Hollywood by any quarterback ever is not Brett Favre, it's not Peyton Manning, it's not even Patrick Mahomes. It's Tom. It's pretty boy Tom Brady. They'd go in and get him. They would allow him to play until he's at least 45 years old on a five-year contract, maybe make the last three years part of an option, because who knows how long Tom Brady wants to play past this season. Uh, they would swoop right in, get Tom Brady. He has weapons. He could potentially have a running game in Melvin Gordon if the Chargers uh, decide to re-sign him. They'll have receivers like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and a tight end and Hunter Henry if they want to re-sign him too. Uh, a lot of pieces need to fall here if Tom Brady wants to be successful with the Los Angeles Chargers uh, but at least right now, Tom Brady to the Chargers' five-year deal. That, of course, would trigger Philip Rivers. What do we do with Philip Rivers? He'd sign a deal worth four years, $100 million with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, look, the Jaguars have been in quarterback hell for about 15 years now, having guys like uh, David Garrard and Blaine Gabbert and Chad Henney and Blake Bortles and Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles, a bunch of average players. Now they bust out of it. They get an experienced veteran quarterback like Philip Rivers, um, who is officially done with the Chargers. And Philip Rivers has already moved his family into the state of Florida, which is a nice place to live. But why not go and play for the Jaguars while you're at it? I mean, they're a team that needs a quarterback. Uh, they would add voidable years to the end of his deal. Uh, they'd have to probably make another big move, the Jaguars, if they want to make the money work. Four, on a four-year, hundred-million-dollar deal, uh, but I believe they would somehow find a way to get out of the Nick Foles contract, keep Gardner Minshew, and sign Philip Rivers, uh, and let Philip Rivers start and Gardner Minshew watch because there's a lot of potential after watching Minshew this past season. Maybe let him sit a, a year on the bench, a year or two on the bench behind an experienced veteran like Philip Rivers, and then let Minshew take over the team if that's the direction Jacksonville wants to go in. Uh, then, of course, what happens to Nick Foles if Philip Rivers goes to Jacksonville? Well, Phillip, uh, Nick Foles would be traded, I think, over to the Colts, not to start. Don't get me wrong. I don't think if the Colts went out and got and, and went and traded for Nick Foles that he wouldn't be their week one starter. He might, but they would try. The Jaguars just need a salary dump, sort of similar to the deal that Brock Os that sent Brock Osweiler to Cleveland a few years ago. They would be trying to get out of the twenty point six million dollars that is guaranteed to Nick Foles over the next two years. Jacksonville's going to look to jump ship there, um, so he's going to Indy. The Colts would have to eat the money. Jacksonville will s probably send uh, their first. Uh, their first-round pick, their 20th overall selection that they got from the Rams in the Jalen Ramsey trade. Um, and Indy would ha have to send probably their fourth-round pick back to Jacksonville. So, yeah, the, the uh, 
And then salary dump, Jaguars send Nick Foles and a first-round pick to the Colts in return for a fourth-round selection, and they lose all that salary. So the Colts now need a quarterback because all they have is Nick Foles and Jacoby Brissett right now. They would trade up with their – they'd package their first-round picks and trade up for Tua. Uh, they've got plenty of cap room and draft assets left. Uh, they would have to package – two first-round picks and a second-round pick and trade it to the Detroit Lions, get their third overall pick because the Bengals and the Redskins won't take Tua, and the Colts would use the third overall pick to draft Tua, and maybe he'd learn a year behind Nick Foles. Then the Colts next season get rid of both Foles and Brissett and allow Tua to become their franchise quarterback to fill in the foot st- uh, to fill in the shoes and the footsteps of guys like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Um, Taysom Hill uh, would sign a two-year, $20 million offer sheet with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, when the Saints will hand Taysom Hill a second-round tender and restricted free agency, it'll allow him to go elsewhere. And John Gruden would love to have a jack-of-all-trades guy uh, to play behind Derek Carr if the Raiders do decide to keep Derek Carr. Then your backup quarterback can be Taysom Hill. You can use him in your jack-of-all-trades role that he's been used in. Uh, in New Orleans for all these years. Uh, I think overall they don't have a second-round pick. The Raiders don't have a second-round pick in 2020. They would end up sending probably two third-round picks to Seattle to get the second-round tender that they can ultimately send over to the Saints. And last but not least, what happens to Teddy Bridgewater? Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Patriots. Three-year, $60 million deal. The Patriots will need a quarterback. They can keep it safe. Teddy Bridgewater is a watered-down version of Tom Brady. In my opinion, a lot of safe passes sometimes can be accurate down the field, but overall he's great for that system, the Josh McDaniels system. Bridgewater temporarily replaced Drew Brees. Now he has to go to New England and replace another future Hall of Famer. Uh, The Saints will have to head to the draft for a backup after losing Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill to the Raiders and Patriots. That's all if Tom Brady goes to the Chargers. If Tom Brady goes to the Colts, he'd sign with them for four years, $160 million. What's the ultimate revenge on his former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels? To go to the team that he couldn't once commit to. Josh McDaniels famously backed out of agreeing to become the head coach of the Colts a couple of off-seasons ago, and ultimately they hired Frank Wright, which I think worked out well for the Colts. Uh, His revenge would be, if you can't succeed there, then I will. So Tom Brady, after Josh McDaniels leaves the Colts at the altar, then joins the Colts, filling in the footsteps of his former and longtime rival Peyton Manning, and signs in Indianapolis, he would become the league's first $40 million quarterback uh, per year. Uh, He'd have a sound offensive line, a strong long-term plan, and the Colts got plenty of cap space. Yes, Tom Brady to the Colts would make a ton of sense. So now the Patriots need a quarterback. They would go out and trade their first-round pick to Detroit to acquire Matthew Stafford. Look, there have been talks all offseason about Matthew Stafford leaving Detroit. He's been there the past 11 seasons. They haven't won a playoff game. They've only made the playoffs three times in 11 years, and he just got a big injury heading into his age 31 season. There's a lot on the line here with with Matthew Stafford. You know, he's, he's 31. He's on a manageable three-year, $51.3 million deal left with the Lions, so he'd be locked up for three years. They would Detroit would have to eat about on the cap probably around thirty-two million dollars in dead money, uh, but they could still take Tua with the number three pick in the draft. So the Lions would be pretty set at quarterback after this. 
they would have to allow guys like Jeff Driscoll and David Blau to hold down the fort while Tua heals up. So Teddy Bridgewater would then sign a two-year, $60 million deal with the Chargers. The Chargers opt for a smoother ride at quarterback after they have already said goodbye to the Phillip Rivers era of the last 16 years. And Teddy Bridgewater will come in there and be competent. New Orleans fans love him. Minnesota fans love him. The Chargers would love to have Teddy Bridgewater. He'd be boring. I don't think he would sell tickets. But from a football perspective, Anthony Lynn would love to have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater be his quarterback and be a bridge to potentially the next great quarterback if they want to go down the draft maybe next year or the year after. The Jaguars trade up with the Dolphins, move up, and the Jags draft Justin Herbert at number five. Uh, the Dolphins don't want, if the Dolphins don't want any of the passers in this year's class, they could ultimately decide to spread some wealth. They could get another first-round pick somehow if they allow Jacksonville, their in-state rivals, to take Justin Herbert. Tua would go to the Lions, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, and Justin Herbert to the Jaguars. The Jags need a starter. I've already been saying it. They don't have one on their roster. They have a couple of backup quarterbacks. When you have two quarterbacks, you really don't even have a one. So they would jump four picks from number nine to number five, take the former Oregon quarterback, um, they would also probably send their 2021 first-round pick to Miami, Jacksonville would, uh, which next year Miami would probably use to take one of the top quarterbacks. They may not be in position to draft Trevor Lawrence, uh, but they'd be up there somehow. The Eagles somehow reacquire Nick Foles. Nick Foles' one season in Jacksonville was a nightmare. Four starts, 0-4 record, and three touchdown passes in four games. Yeah. It didn't work out the way Jacksonville did, and they're paying a lot of money for a guy who's really backup caliber. Um, momentarily in that Justin Herbert trade, Nick Foles would somehow end up on the Dolphins for temporarily. They restructure his deal, eat a significant portion. Uh, the Dolphins probably ask Nick Foles to take pay cuts in 2021 and 2022, and then they trade Nick Foles to the Eagles, and in return they get a fourth-round pick. So ultimately... It only gets picks for Miami, and Nick Foles is Nick Carson Wentz is back up in Philadelphia again, where he rightfully belongs. So now the Saints need a backup quarterback. They'll go out and, and sign Andy Dalton to a one-year, $6 million deal. The Bengals are clearly moving on from him and drafting LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, so Andy Dalton's the odd, odd man out in Cincinnati. He's going to go to New Orleans and back up Drew Brees, and maybe if they like what they see, the Saints would like Andy Dalton to be their long-term replacement, even though he's getting up there in age. So that's all if he signs with the Bears, Chargers, or Colts. And those were the, the only options on this website. But the two options I think are the strongest weren't even up there. Tom Brady to the Titans and Tom Brady to the Raiders. Here's what would happen if Tom Brady joined the Titans. I don't think the Titans are playing around. I think they offer him a two-year, $60 million contract, give him $30 million annually, He's reunited with his former teammate, Mike Vrabel, who would be his head coach in Tennessee. John Robinson was in the New England front office while Tom Brady was there. He's got obvious connections to Tennessee. And he's got former teammates everywhere, including corner Logan Ryan. He's got plenty of help. He would have a running game. If the Titans would somehow find a way to get Tom Brady and Derrick Henry, then perfect. You've got the arguably the best running back in football to hand the ball to, and you've got young, talented receivers like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis and a young, talented tight end and John U. Smith to throw the ball around to, Tom Brady would have a wonderful time playing for the Titans 
for a team that actually was a game away from making it to the Super Bowl last year. They've got that type of roster. Phillip Rivers would sign with the Indianapolis Colts. We've heard momentum picking up about Rivers to the Colts. It would make sense. Phillip Rivers actually played three years under Frank Reich. In 2013, Frank Reich was Phillip Rivers' quarterback's coach. The two seasons after that, Reich was Rivers' offensive coordinator. They have three years of experience together, so there's rapport there. Okay, They have a great offensive line that could keep an old, late-30s quarterback upright. Um, if they could keep an immobile quarterback like Jacoby Brissett upright, they can keep Phillip Rivers upright. They've got weapons, they've got a talented defense, and they've got young, talented running backs. Phillip Rivers to the Colts would make a lot of sense. They'd sign him to maybe a three- or four-year contract, keep him until his early 40s, but of course Phillip Rivers may not play out his next and last contract. Phillip Rivers to Indianapolis makes sense, especially if Tom Brady goes to play for the Titans. They would be, then Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers would become division rivals, along with teams like the Jaguars and Texans, who could be competitive from time to time, especially you add Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady to a division that already has Deshaun Watson. The Chargers will need a quarterback. They'll go out and get Marcus Mariota. I like this pick a lot. If the Chargers land Mariota, then guess what? Now... They have the quarterback that they once rumored to have been interested in back in 2015 when Mariota was entering the draft. They'll have a young, solid option for a team that's middling to possibly pretty good. You have a team that is worth playing for, and the Chargers are back in the playoff hunt with Marcus Mariota. Don't forget this guy's won a playoff game before and has twice been on playoff teams. This guy's not a scrub. He can win games, and he can be efficient from time to time if you give him good offense. And he'd have, and Marcus Mariota would have Anthony Lynn as his head coach. Mariota to the Chargers on a two-year contract because they don't want to commit long-term. They know he's maybe a stopgap guy to potentially franchise quarterback. If he's only stopgap, then next year the Chargers can go after uh, their future quarterback. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's got to go somewhere. I'll put him with the Carolina Panthers. Look, the Panthers aren't trying to win anything this year. They're, they're in a, under a first-year head coach who's entering just his second year total in the NFL. Uh, a new owner that's likely trying to draft his new franchise quarterback, move on from Cam Newton. Um, look, they're trying to go somewhere. Um, the Panthers are trying to go somewhere, just not in 2020. They're trying to rebuild. That's why they're getting rid of a lot of players. That's why they fired all their coaches. That's why they're talking about potentially getting rid of their starting quarterback because they know that if, in order for them to potentially make another run at the Super Bowl and within the next decade, they're going to have to rebuild. This is not the team they want, especially under new ownership and a new coaching staff. Teddy Bridgewater, under a two- or three-year contract, would be the perfect stopgap because even he could start for a year and then back up the young quarterback for the next two years. Honestly, Panthers getting Teddy makes a lot more sense than you probably think. If the Titans get Tom Brady, I think the Titans would also go out and find a way to sign Antonio Brown. A lot of talk about Antonio Brown wanting to play with Tom Brady next year if A.B. continues his career or if A.B. is allowed to continue his career. It would make sense if they played together. If Tom, Tom Brady went to the Titans, I think Antonio Brown also goes to the Titans. And now they have young stud receivers, and they have arguably the best receiver in the league when healthy. That, that would be a match made in heaven. Tom Brady throwing to Antonio Brown in two Titans uniforms. So then you're not going to have enough cap space to keep Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, and Derrick Henry. 
So I think Derrick Henry leaves in free agency if the Titans pursue Brady and Brown. And Derrick Henry, they've got cap space, and they've got potentially a young new quarterback. I think Derrick Henry goes and signs with a running back needy team like the Detroit Lions. Lions will have Matthew Stafford or a young quarterback, and then Derrick Henry instantly that would make them a very big contender in that NFC North division if the Lions could somehow land Derrick Henry in free agency on a long-term deal. A guy who scored 19 rushing touchdowns last year and led the league in every rushing category. Yeah, a team that hasn't been able to run the ball for at least a decade now would love to have the services of one Derrick Henry. Last but not least, that's if if, uh, Tom Brady goes to the Titans. Tom Brady to the Las Vegas Raiders. That still sounds weird for me to say. I, I keep wanting to say the Oakland Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders signing Tom Brady to a three-year contract worth in the neighborhood of $84 million, kind of similar to the deal that Kirk Cousins signed with the Minnesota Vikings a couple of off-seasons ago. Tom Brady would replicate that in Las Vegas. They need to put excitement on the field in their first year in their new stadium in their brand-new city, Las Vegas. Tom Brady is box office. He would be Hollywood, but he'd also be plenty Vegas. Look, Tom Brady to the Raiders. Got a young, still very innovative coach in John Gruden who would use him to his delight. And it would be ironic because Tom Brady would be playing for the franchise and the coach that were the victims of the tuck rule that allowed Tom Brady to win his first ever Super Bowl. Tom Brady to the Raiders makes a lot of sense. They've got young, talented running back in Josh Jacobs. They've got pieces on defense that have coached up well, could be really good. And they've got young, talented receivers. They might need to get more receivers uh, for Tom Brady's liking, but he'll have a running game, he'll have an O-line, and he'll have a little bit of a defense, and he'll have the coach. Tom Brady to Las Vegas would make a lot of sense. Uh, So then Marcus Mariota. I think would sign with the Patriots on a two-year contract. I think Mariota's going to land a one- or two-year contract wherever he goes to be a stopgap, potentially franchise quarterback type of contract. The Patriots would go the direction of Mariota. If things go south in the first year, Patriots have a high draft pick next year, and they go after a young quarterback. Um, to replace Mariota, they can easily get out of the remaining year, year on his contract, or they might want him to come and be the backup to next year's rookie. Uh But Mariota, the Patriots, makes a lot of sense. His playing style is kind of similar to Tom Brady. I don't think Josh McDaniels or the Patriots offensive staff really miss a beat much. Uh, Of course, Tom Brady and Derek Carr cannot coexist on the Raiders. So Derek Carr, I think, is out. You trade Derek Carr to the Panthers. That's a rebuilding team. Derek Carr's never been a winner. The Panthers aren't looking for a winner right now. Derek Carr goes to Carolina, and they're so devoid of weapons outside of Christian McCaffrey they're not winning very many games. In fact, they're a candidate to go 4-12 and 12 or worse with Derek Carr. I'm still not sold on Derek Carr as an NFL franchise quarterback. I think he loses a lot of games. I don't think he's nearly aggressive enough, and I think that's why they lose. Derek Carr would be perfect for the rebuilding Panthers. Um, if Tom Brady chooses to go to the Raiders and not Tennessee, then I think that allows Ryan Tannehill to stay with the Titans on a four-year, five-year contract to be their franchise quarterback, and they somehow find a way to get Derrick Henry back, so Tannehill and Derrick Henry don't go anywhere. Finally, the Bucks and the Cowboys will use their franchise tags on Jameis Winston and Dak Prescott, respectively. And I think the least repercussions around the league will happen if Tom Brady signs with the Raiders, because then, you know, Teddy Bridgewater can really go wherever he wants, um, and it w- really wouldn't have any ramifications. Phillip Rivers will still likely go to the Colts in this situation, and, you know, everybody's happy. 
Derek Carr gets to start. Marcus Mariota still gets to start. Tom Brady gets to play it with in the silver and black where he wants with the coach that he wants. So that's why I would say about Tom Brady. Those are all his options. There's really five. There's the Bears, the Chargers, the Colts, the Titans, and the Raiders. I still think the best shot would be either the Bears or the Raiders, but I still think for some reason he's going to end up on the Titans, uh, a la the way the Titans tried to get Peyton Manning eight years ago when he was a free agent. I think they, eight years later, get their man, Tom Brady. So those are my predictions. Uh, on the show on this, Philip Rivers is likely to sign with the Colts we heard over the weekend. It would make a lot of sense. Philip Rivers played under Frank Reich for three seasons. Um, I think he'd be a bit of a big upgrade on Jacoby Brissett, but at the same time, Brissett can stay, be the backup. I don't think Philip Rivers is the long-term answer in Indy. I think he's got one contract left. It's, he might have two or three years left. Uh, he's really more name value than actual value at this point, kind of like Tom Brady is. Look, Philip Rivers, he's got a strong arm. He's got a lot of football IQ, but he makes a lot of dumb decisions. He's a statue in the pocket, uh, and he cowers under pressure. The Colts are have an offensive line and have a defense, which all works very well for Phillip Rivers. He'll have better uh, units in those categories than he ever did with the Chargers this past season. Look, Phillip Rivers to the Colts is not that bad. So if you're a Colts fan, Phillip Rivers being your quarterback is not the worst thing. He'll be 39 years old. That's really old. But quarterbacks play longer these days. Tom Brady is about to be a 43-year-old starter who wants to play until he's at least 45 or 46 years old. And he'll play fine. Philip Rivers will be fine. I, if you're, I don't know what to tell you. If you're a Colts fan, I would like it. I know Colts fans who are not excited about Philip Rivers, and I'm saying, look, he'll be fine. You have a good team around you, and he's an experienced, quality quarterback who could eventually groom your next Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck type of player. If you want to go Tua, you can still do that. So that's what I would say about Philip Rivers. There's a lot of scariness there about about signing any old quarterback, and that's really what Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady are. They're both old quarterbacks about assigning with uh, teams that really need one. But, yeah, don't be scared. Sometimes experience helps. I think it'll help this time. Okay, some scores for you around the NBA today. Only four games tonight. The Knicks visit the Sixers tonight at 7 at 8 o'clock. Two games. Trailblazers visit the Indiana Pacers, and the Sacramento Kings visit the Oklahoma City Thunder. And at 10.30... The L.A. Lakers visit the Golden State Warriors on March 1st. The Warriors are expected to get Steph Curry back for their matchup against the Washington Wizards. That's around the NBA. In college basketball in the AP Top 25, five games with five uh, ranked teams. Unranked Wisconsin visiting 19th-ranked Michigan. 21st-ranked Colorado visiting unranked Cal. Unranked San Diego visiting third-ranked Gonzaga. 23rd-ranked Ohio State visiting unranked Nebraska. And unranked Oregon State visiting 14th-ranked Oregon. Those are the five games. For the AP Top 25 in men's college basketball tonight around the NHL, uh, we have a couple of games, a lot of games. The 7 o'clock games, Rangers visit the Montreal Canadiens, the Chicago Blackhawks visit the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs visit the Florida Panthers. At 7.30, we have three games starting. The Dallas Stars visit the Boston Bruins, the Minnesota Wild visit the Detroit Red Wings and the Vancouver Canucks visit the Ottawa Senators. 8 o'clock, the Washington Capitals have their rematch against the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg, and the New York Islanders visit the reigning champion St. Louis Blues, and the Calgary Flames visit the Nashville Predators, and closing us out at 10.30, the New Jersey Devils visit the San Jose Sharks. That's all I have for you today on the Jadava Show. We will see you tomorrow 
Uh, have a great rest of your day here on today's date, February 27th, 2020. We are two days away from experiencing leap year, February 29th. So for everybody born February 29th, uh, sorry, you only get a birthday once every while. Uh, but we will see you tomorrow for Friday's edition, last one of the week. You've been listening to the Jadava Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valliere. Take care.